Welcome to the Life Toyetic with Ben and Molly. I am Ben. And I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I am an American girl. So am I. Yeah? Yeah. Which one are you? Doris. Doris? What Dor- was her era? She's she's back there. She's back there? Yeah, she did some stuff in the, in the past. In the past, yeah. yeah. During that war. Oh, well, just after the war. After that war? Yeah. The okay. one war. Yeah. You know the war. Doris was one of my favorites. I guess. Hello. This is a podcast about movies, about toys, and this week we're watching... What are we... Why? Why are we watching? I I have no connection to this material. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's so alien to me. No, that's perfect. Please, please do the introduction. This is, this is kind of my area. Because mm. it's my birthday week and we're doing what I want. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy birthday. Sorry, when you when you tilt your head back and laugh, one of your eyes like scrunches up in joy, and another one just like stares. Forward. Yes, I do still have the bell's palsy, but it's a little bitter. It's a little bit better. Can you can you twitch your eye for me? Can you move? Oh, I see it. There's a little muscle yeah, movement, yeah, 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 yeah. and I've got a little motion back in okay. my mouth as well. So you're I've got fine. a little bit it's more co- articulation. It's coming back, and soon yeah. you'll be able to you know say say the words you love. You got to so wink much. at people like this. Yeah. This is great radio. So I grew up with American Girl. I Which it was one? interesting all of the like the whole series. So you had kind of a harem. Well, I didn't harem harem harem. I didn't have a harem because I never owned any of the dolls because the dolls were very expensive. But I would get the catalogs and I did read the books and I did have the computer game. Oh well, that's basically the same thing. Um, Amer- which actually I guess had more play value than a doll yeah. would have because you actually. You know, with a doll, you act out the story and it's over and done. And you can kind of reminisce about it. But it's weird to describe to someone, this is how I played with my dolls. And it was really interesting. But with the computer program, you could, like, save the place. I think that the toy would have more play value because when the story in the game is done that's it it's not a story you make up plays oh well oh that's that's a totally different yeah thing. so it was like a creative exercise interesting okay and you could like tell stories with it and literally like you had these characters to choose from you had backdrops and you had the little props and you could just like drag your mouse and like walk the character across that, the stage and then like type in something for them to say that sounds a lot like um either the simpsons animation studio which i had mm-hmm. or Microsoft 3D Movie Maker, which I also had and released movies for out onto the internet. So it was like a community of people who did that. Mm-hmm. And most of the movies were very bad. Yeah. I mean, most of my movies were very bad. And my brother also would play with me and we would make little plays together. But they were a lot of fun. And so that's what when I think of American Girl, that's my biggest association is the, the value I got out of mm. that. But also in thinking and looking back on it. American Girl kind of raised me because <laughs> they they also published a lot of nonfiction books for young girls that were like, you're going to hit puberty. Like, here's what's going to happen. Or like, you're having a fight with your friend. Here's what you should do. Like, those kinds of books. Was the puberty book, like, period appropriate based on the girl that they had telling you about <laughs> what was going to happen? They like... were about actual modern okay. children. Pleasant Company kind of expanded their brain to include everything to do with preteen girls. Okay. But yeah, I, since my mother never talked to me about anything, she just like shoved the book at me, the puberty book, and was like, here you go. And that's how I learned what a period the was. The American Girl Big Book of Periods. And that knowledge is serving me well today. I might be a little loopy because I am high in the normal <laughs> way that I am. <laughs> I think our, our listeners do not come to this show for lucid, trenchant insights no. into toyetic cinema. Uh, I think they come to this to hear you be high mm-hmm. and me be British. I'm not yeah. really sure what value I add to the, the you proceedings. Know, I am going to leave that statement there. Cool. Good. I love you very much. Cool. But I have the American Girl dolls are not, to the best of my knowledge, something that made, and for, for understandable reasons, made the jump to the UK. I don't think that we were. Yeah, ever, that would have been weird. I didn't think to message my sister. Before we started recording, I might message her while we're watching the movie, but I don't know that they existed. 
in the UK, or if they did, did they exist with a different name? I don't know. So we're watching them. There's a, there's a bunch of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, as a far lot. as I can tell, 13 a good American Girl movies. Baker's Dozen. Including, I think, the only one or the first one to get a theatrical release was Kit Kittredge in American Girl. And I went and saw that in theaters. You saw that in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is Samantha, colon, an American Girl Holiday. This is the first one they made. In which a girl who is American, mm-hmm. and whose name is Samantha, mm-hmm. has a holiday. Mm-hmm. Is the holiday Christmas? I can only assume so, because in the cover art, she's wearing a little coat and I think a beret. Okay, I'm going to look at the cover. Yeah, it's a very... Um, and there's snow. The snow. There are two lampposts, which to me says she's going to visit Narnia twice. Twice. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I've never seen this movie. I don't really know anything about it. I've never seen any of the American Girl movies except for Kit, which I went and saw in theaters. But this has Anna Sophia Robb in it. The fa- she's a famous girl who lost an arm once, but it was temporary. It's fine. Cool. Mia Farrow is in this. Mia Farrow is in this as Grand Mary. Kelsey Grammer is not in this. <laughs> but Kelsey Lewis. Kelsey d- Grand Mary. Kelsey Grand Mary. Kelsey Lewis, who does not have a Wikipedia page, is in this. Oh! It's just, like, look at all these names, and Kelsey Lewis is not Kelsey clickable. Lewis, yeah, is not linked, so I guess Kelsey Lewis doesn't exist. Yeah. Kelsey plays Nellie. Wow, less than half of the cast for this movie that is billed on Wikipedia has a clickable name, has a Wikipedia article. Now, this aired on TV mm-hmm. uh, on November 23rd, 2004, which was the 41st anniversary of Doctor Who. This aired on the WB. That's so that's why, that's the only reason you didn't watch it, is because yeah, you was, were watching Doctor Who. Well, Doctor Who wasn't on. There was a year, it was six months before Doctor Who came back to television. You were yeah. celebrating the anniversary. Well, I have no uh, connection, Jeremy, to the American Doll franchise well i'm telling you yeah. i'm telling you my information oh, I, yeah and so i shared something it's my in return birthday. it is your birthday it is my birthday is it is today as we're recording your birthday no okay good because I, I i what if i said yes because i would have been angry at google calendar for not popping up with a reminder because <laughs> i have a reminder set for your birthday my birthday is one week from when we are recording on this day yes but when this episode goes out on tuesday the 19th my birthday will be in three days on cool. friday the 22nd very nice. Of March, if you're listening in the future. Beware the 22nd of March. Yeah. The twides of March. The twides. Uh, how do you feel about going off and watching this thing? I think we should do it. I'm really looking cool. forward to it. All right. Well, then we're going to go off and watch Samantha, an American girl, having a holiday time and a good, and a good time and Simpl- a lovely time. Simply having a wonderful holiday Simply time. Ha- <laughs> yes. Um, and we'll be right back after whatever the hell this commercial message ends up being. <laughs> Samantha is my new best friend. She's curious, confident, and ready to play. She always lends a helping hand. With her dog Jip by her side, the fun never ends. Meet Samantha Parkington from 1904. A caring girl who's ready to be your new best friend. Part of the Be Forever collection from American Girl. Doll comes as shown. Dolls, apparel, and accessories each sold separately. Batteries not included. We're back. We a dinosaur story. Did it. We watched the movie. We watched it with our eyes. I think we're going to ha- struggle. Yeah, I think this might be a short episode. This is going to. Okay, so thanks for listening to the live tour edit with Ben and Molly. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, <laughs> it's so. Here's the thing there is a lot that happens in this movie. Yeah, it's. There, a lot of events happen, mm. to be sure, but. Even the events that happen that are supposed to be dramatic events and supposed to have a lot of tension are kind of yeah. bland. It's weird to think of this airing on the CW because it feels like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. It does. It feels like half of a Hallmark movie and half of your mother just discovered iMovie <laughs> and has made a Christmas card. You know how on her MacBook Pro. I was taking notes, and you want to know how I described it. Yeah, this is the poor man's Anne of Green Gables in yes. the sense that it's in the same time period. It involves redheaded orphans befriending people with dark hair, and um, <laughs> I made exactly three notes. And it involves Canada, just in the sense that it was shot yeah. in Canada. Did you make any... I know that... Because we were just talking about this before we started recording. You stopped making notes a third of the way through. Yeah, I'm, most of my notes were about how terrible the acting was. Mm. And then I just kind of stopped. Because I was at least 
familiar in passing with a lot of the events yeah. of the, quote, story. I do want to emphasize that for being called an American Girl holiday, about 6% of this movie takes place at winter or Christmas time. This is as much of a Christmas movie as I would say Die Hard is a Christmas <laughs> Actually, I would say Die Hard is, is more slightly Christ- more of a Christmas because movie. Because the entirety of Die Hard takes place yes. at Christmas. Whereas I would say the last This is a Christmas movie three in the sense minutes. that Harry Potter is a Christmas yes. movie. Yes, yeah. That's... In the sense that, like, it's a whole, a, a lot of, it, it takes place over the course of, um, yeah. I guess, about a year, maybe a little less than a year. It's it's a Christmas movie in the same sense that the Adams Family is a, Christmas, a Christmas movie, movie. because it opens with those carolers. Mm-hmm. I feel like what we could do as a fun exercise mm-hmm. is one of us starts with a story beat, and then the next person just says the next story beat, and we do that until we get to the end of the movie, and, and we see done. how long that takes. It's not it's not even really a story. It's just a no. bunch of events, because it is... I think they tell the entire story of like the entire four or five book Samantha arc wow. of all of the books. So this is just kind of an amalgam of all of those books. It's just things happening. Things things happen. And I don't want to say that to suggest that there isn't cause and effect, because there's definitely, because X happens, Y then mm. occurs. It's not a lot of and then, and then, and I think there's a little bit of that. but There's cause and effect, but there's mm. no escalation. Yeah. It's like seeing a family member Okay. On the cusp of maybe starting to feel slightly frustrated about something. And you keep thinking, oh, they're going to get angry any minute now. And they never do. It's always just, hmm. All right. It's that. It's that kind of low. It's a hum. It's the hum of machinery. Yeah. Like I said, there's no there's no yeah. sense of es- escalation. It's yeah. very much, you're waiting for the drop. Yes. And the drop never happens. <laughs> I, th- I think the drop is the Warner Brothers television appearing <laughs> at the end of the film. The drop is the sigh of relief when yes. the credits roll. Okay. Do we want to try that, like, let's at story least, thing? Okay. Let's at least attempt. I don't yes. know how broad you want to get with these, quote, story beats. I think it's just going to be, like... Samantha's at her house. The, the neighbors... The new family moves um, in. Yeah. The neighbors get some Some, some, some help. Irish servants. Who are, and they're three kids. And then Samantha befriends Nellie. Who is the daughter of the, of the family? Yeah. Samantha's uncle Gerd arrives. Gerd? What what is his what name? is Gerd short for? Uncle Gerd. What is Ger- that? Gerd Trude. What was his actual name? Gardner. Gardner. God. Uncle Gard. Uncle Gard. Uncle Gard shows up with a new wife. His fiance. Yeah. Who's played by the lady who is also the Wicked Witch of the West in Once Upon a Time. And bless her, she does kind of have like an evil face. Mm. She plays a kind, lovable character in this, but her face, every part of you is waiting for her yeah. to like snap. So Samantha Samantha is peeved mm-hmm. that her uncle is getting married. Yes. Because she's jealous. And change is always bad. And change is bad. Yes. Well, I mean, the last time a big change happened, it was her parents dying. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's fair. I can understand right. why she's a little, a little leery. Yeah. So, Uncle, but they get married anyway. Uncle Gorp offers to um, good old raisins and peanuts. Yeah, offers. He's to, just a bag full of snack mix. Uh, Uncle Gorp says to um, Samantha's grand Mary, "Hey, she could come live with us during New York City, New York City for a couple of months." And Samantha overhears this and assumes everyone doesn't want her around anymore. And so goes to throw rocks at Nellie in the dead of night. <laughs> that's basically... I mean, that's, you're not wrong. <laughs> and then they go and they spend the night in the boathouse because Samantha's sad. And they have a night of illicit passion. I don't know if that's a gross joke because they think are it children. Is, yeah, they are definitely both of an age where that is an inappropriate thing to say. But... But we did both make that joke when we were watching it because I said this is the point where the film turns into tipping the velvet and I start to feel very uncomfortable. I don't know. Children experiment with other children. I don't think it's that weird, but I do think it is weird for me, an adult, to talk about it. So they go off and we stop making jokes about that because we don't want to end up on a register. Yeah. And then she leaves? She Well, Samantha leaves. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, Nellie's dad coughs once. So, <laughs> so, she, so, he, stays so he dies. Yeah. So <laughs> the first time we see him at all in the movie, he coughs. 
Yeah, he approaches Nelly was, before he has any dialogue, he coughs. I was joking because I was like, oh, he's going to die. And then he did. He died. I didn't remember, I didn't remember him dying, but I do remember that Nelly and her sisters were sent yeah. to an orphanage and had to work into a fact, into a, they had to work in, <laughs> they had to work the way, they had to work their way up the ladder. <laughs> um, they had to work in a factory. Yeah. Because, yeah, I remember as a child that it was kind of disturbing to read about child labor and exploitation. Yeah. But they actually do address that head on yeah. in this film. They really go for There's it. There's some graphic violence yeah. as they drive the point home. The, the entire third act the is kind of a, point. It's kind of a, a, a micro... This is kind of like Anna Green Gables meets the jungle kind of scenario. Meets Jungle to Jungle starring Tim Allen. Jungle to Jungle with Tim Allen. Yeah. He's also in this. He's a, he is in this. He, he has uh, a little walk-on role. Yeah, he plays Mrs. What's her name? Frouchy. Frouchy. What a great name. <laughs> um, there actually is a character named Mrs. Frouchy. Yeah, I would also want to suggest not played by Tim Allen. I don't want to set an expectation. Actually, every character... There's Anna Sophia Robb, there's Mia Farrow, and everyone else is Tim Allen in yeah. costume. It's yeah. kind of an orphan black sort of setup. Yeah, I, they, I guess they didn't have the budget to go like full Polar Express with it, where mm. they just had him mocap everybody, mm. which is a well, shame. Well, this was 2005. 2004, in fact. Was it? Yeah. Okay. It's a year before Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus. Oh, I listened... Sorry, I want to call, call back to the previous episode because I listened to it in the car on the drive home How from work. How was that? I don't always do this. I will acknowledge okay. this. I'm I don't scared like, that you're going to have some notes for me. I don't like hearing my own voice. But the lyrics to the ad for the toy range uh-huh. for Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus yes. says, Barbie and her magic horse. Firstly, her name is not Barbie... Secondly, that is not her magic horse. It is her sister. Well, it's it's her. It's like that's her relationship to it. Is it's a horse to her. <laughs> she doesn't have ownership of the horse in the same way you don't have ownership of a sibling. Well, but it's but the implication is that it's. it's is this the first time you've ever analyzed the lyrics to a Barbie commercial song? It's the first time I've sat like stuck in because I took, I was stuck in traffic for two hours, mm-hmm. and it was hey, hang on, what the fuck. It was this genuine moment. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all kind of like that. Barbie is not the thinking man's toy. No, what is Barbie? Barbie is Q. Barbie is transcendent. Barbie Barbie is all. all. Barbie is consciousness. (laughs) You are Barbie. I am Barbie. We all Barbie together. We are all together. Yep. So Samantha gets a letter from Grand Mary. It's like, hey, what's up? So your friend's dad died. Dad did a dead in an orphanage. Yeah. Now. So they track down the orphanage, and they go on a tour, and they... Yeah, the orphanage is in New York City, so Samantha's yeah. like, I'm just going to go visit my friend. But they have to kind of sneak in there. Yeah, and it's rough. It's it's like a child prison. Well, yeah, it's it's a hard knock life for, for Nelly. For anyone... Oh, for Nelly specifically? Everyone else is fine. Yeah, everyone else Nelly's is fine. Nelly's having a rough great. time. Nelly's having a hard time. Uh, yeah, the, the person who runs the um, uh, runs the orphanage is uh, Principal Trunchbull from Matilda. More or less. And yeah. she's embezzling money. Yes. She's taking a little off the top. She's, she's, she's taking a little off the bottom and putting that in the safe and then taking the big chunk off um, the top and stuff like that in her Just like when you cut bra. a slice of cake and then you eat like the Pac-Man shape that's left. That's yes. kind of what she's doing with the donations. Yeah. So Samantha... Cons- Which is never really resolved. Yeah. I guess they fire her. In the they, they do fire her and then we never see her again. I guess she has she has so much money, she just goes yeah. and buys an island and she's fine. Yeah, she's good. She's set for life. Samantha conspires to help her friends break out of the orphanage. Yeah, they just kind of run yeah. away. It's not really, it's not a great, like, it seems like Samantha has this plan and then it turns out her plan is rescue. Her like, plan is just like run really fast the other way. But the like, plan, it's not a great plan. The dumbest part of the plan is, oh, I want you to meet me in the worst place it would be for us to possibly get caught, which is... Yeah, it seems to make more sense, because she... It's in Tim Allen's office. I don't know how nitty-gritty we need to get into this. I suppose we can get a little nitty and a little gritty, because we do have to fill up an hour of Yeah, we're at the 25-minute mark, um, assuming this doesn't get But edited. she meets Nellie outside, outside of the building, you know, and it's like, let's go, go back inside, yeah. and then we'll come back out again. Yeah. And it seems to make more sense to just meet me just, outside yeah. here again, and we'll just leave. Yeah, just kick down this fence, and we'll just leave. It's weird, because canonical Samantha is biblical Samantha. biblical Samantha she's a lot smarter than this I remember one of the main characteristics of Samantha is that she was not particularly creative but she was very 
organized mm. and that was like her skill was that like she could make things happen and like get people together and like didn't really have a creative talent wasn't good at needlepoint like I guess she did piano and wasn't that good at like drawing or painting but her thing was that she was very analytical and intelligent and headstrong we see some headstrong but mostly we see her like making bad child decisions and like having adults in her life that she loves and trusts and never using them as a resource yeah, she just kind of does the things and doesn't communicate with anyone mm-hmm. about what she's doing or why she does it. Which may just be a normal child yeah, thing, I guess. If maybe. You, I don't Did know. Did you communicate with with, with adults when you no, were... Never, but I didn't really have... How old have, is she, nine in this? Yeah, nine or ten. But I guess in my life, like, I didn't really have an adult that I mm. trusted and I kept a lot of things to myself. Like, I learned to do that very young. Cool. But I don't see her... Based on what we know of Samantha's backstory, I guess besides the fact that, like, her parents died very suddenly and that would have been traumatic, like, she can trust the adults in her life. And so it's odd to me that, like, that's not the first place that she goes when she's Mm. having a problem on this scale of, like, my best friend is in an orphanage and is going to get, like, shipped off to the country and separated from her family. Like, that's a big issue, and she's like, I can deal with this. Yeah, she just she just fixes it. That's that's what makes her an American girl. <laughs> she doesn't wait around. She takes decisive, bold action. Yeah, it's not intelligent action, yeah. but she definitely takes an action. There's that scene, of course, where she's showing the girls the room that they're going to be staying in, and there's that big mission accomplished banner hanging <laughs> up on the back wall. Yeah, she does. Um, she takes them back to her aunt and uncle's house. And but they, they also see Mrs... Well, Miss Frouchy Miss Frumpy. sees Miss... Miss yeah, Miss Oscar the Grouch uh, sees them as they're running out and accuses them of stealing the money that she herself has stolen. Yeah, and is like, I don't know, the police, blah blah blah. So Miss Fauci is kind of after them. Yeah, but yeah, Samantha just puts the three girls in her attic, and it, we it's don't a really, little flowers in the it's attic. It's a little adjacent. flowers, and it's a little Anne Frankie, and we don't know how long they stay up there. They just they just hang out there for I don't know weeks. Long enough for long like time. we we have a seasonal there's transition. A monta- there's a montage. Yeah, I think we go from fall to winter. Yeah, like so, so they maybe up their weeks or months. Yeah, it's unclear how long they're up there, but there's there's a montage of like Samantha sneaking them food yeah heather graham shows up and says she got married (laughs) that's a reference to the the lifetime adaptation of flowers in the attic which mandy made me watch oh i'm really sorry it's bad i can't imagine that an adaptation of it would be good or good in the sense that it would be enjoyable to watch it's just tragic yeah and incestuous that's really it um uh, this movie is neither there's no incest in this no not that i noticed no Although the ending of this movie does retroactively make the thing we joked about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is hard. This is hard to do a very family-friendly movie where the stars are literal actual children. Yeah. And because usually we lean really hard on our kinky, yeah, inappropriate we content, here. and now we cannot do that because these are literal no, children. We're gonna get emails. Yeah. Hopefully, saying here's my iTunes review. Yeah. You still still got a chance to win one of them Barbies and or a blind bag troll. But one of the girls, I forget which one, gets a, gets sick. I think Bridget gets Bridget sick. Bridget has a fever. So Samantha has to tell... Her aunt and uncle. Uncle, uncle Grip. Mm-hmm. And then they... What would you say is the aunt's name? If you had to guess the aunt's name, what's Ollivander. the aunt's? Okay. Okay, so there's a Harry Potter theme going yeah. on. Gorp and Ollivander. Yes. What is her actual name? Cornelia. Okay, that's way You were really close. Oh. <laughs> I just mean in the sense that there's a lot of there's letters a lot of, in yes. it. Yes, it's Aunt Supercalifragilistic Expialidocious. Yes. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. So, so Mantha has to tell Uncle Gorp, listen, don't get nuts, but... <laughs> or raisins. Or raisins. Um, but uh, I've been surreptitiously hiding three yeah. girls upstairs... Uh, the aunt and the uncle basically report this to the... I don't know. Do they it's report kind of, it? It's well, unclear what they do. They do call a doctor. And yeah. the uncle says, he's like, I have to report it to yeah. the police. But it's kind of resolved by... Lady Vanderbilt, or yeah, whatever her name is. There's a lady who is a patron of the orphanage who is friends with the aunt and uncle. Who is a... Who, she's cool. She's, she's sane. And she basically goes and tells Mrs. Frouchy, the evil lady, that they're firing her and that they know about how she's been taken a little off the top. We wanted an orphanage, not a prison. Yeah. And so I guess they fixed it. Yeah. They fixed the orphanage. Yeah. Um, They fixed orphanism. (laughs) 
Take that, orphanists. Um, <laughs> so then Samantha, they're in the carriage on the way home, and Samantha and Gorp and Ollivander are like, hey, well, we need three more maids. And there well, are three they're, children. Well, they're, they're, they ask Samantha if she wants yeah. to come live with them forever. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, right. sure, because Grand Mary is getting remarried. She's marrying the Admiral. She's marrying the Admiral. Who, I don't who's know who man. the Admiral He's is. He's just a man. Who, He's who, an who flirts with Mia Farrow. Yeah. Um, and I guess they get married. And then on Christmas Day, Gorp and Ollivander announce they're going to adopt the other three kids. Yeah, the they're not going to be maids. Samantha is excited about having sisters. The one who doesn't talk talks. Mm -hmm. Because of course they fucking do. Yeah, the selective mutism is cured. And then uh, that's the movie. Yeah, really. I think that's it's over. It. That's the so whole thing. It's just thing. a lot. It's weird because there's so much. Built, they could have streamed if the story they're telling is like Samantha has to help Nellie, they could have streamlined that so much. But I feel like because they're kind of telling every little side story, like B plot atmospheric detail that's also in each of the books, it just gets really bogged yeah. down and it feels more like here's just kind of recounting of events in yeah. a year, which honestly, because I was. I high and crampy and like <laughs> needed something chill like it was a nice little huh of a yeah. movie like huh, i don't need to really give much to this like i don't need to pay a whole lot of attention i can just i can just look at the costumes yeah. right a lot of really nice turn of the century it was Edwardian it was a screensaver of a movie yeah it was it was a fat it was a little fashion show yeah um, which I, sometimes that's all you need. It felt broadly inconsequential. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I got a good handle on who literally any character in this movie was, except for Tess, Tessa's or whoever's dad who coughs. The Irish coffer. The Irish coffer, yeah. Which is uh, a great boxing name. <laughs> it's <an> a <laughs> the Irish coffer himself weighing in at oh, wow. however many pounds. Um, I really could not. Guess at poundage. How many kilos would he weigh? Seven. Wow. I don't. I don't. He's know. He's a leprechaun. He's, he's a leprechaun. He's a tiny man. That is offensive. We need to apologize. Yeah, this is coming out after St. Patrick's yeah. Day, so I guess it's not really seasonal. Anymore. But we are recording it before St. Patrick's Day, so really, it's your fault, listener Jeremy, yeah. for not being here in the room now with us at the mm -hmm. moment. I really feel yes like this film was just things happening. Now, my overriding sense, my, the last of the three notes I made, I want to say about 20 minutes into the movie, was I would like to read the script. Because I feel like the script is just dialogue, 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 and then this happens. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Like, some films have like a tempo mm -hmm. to them. This film did not have a tempo. Yeah. It's like freeform jazz without any of the interesting notes. Mm -hmm. Jazz is as much about the notes you don't play as the notes you do play. But they weren't playing any notes. There's a way to do these kind of slow-moving, atmospheric, coming-of-age mm. historical drama stories, like miniseries type of things, in a way that is enjoyable. Like yeah. the actual Anne of Green Gables, like the one from the 80s, like... It's a lot of slice of life kinds of things, but it's still engaging because the personalities of the characters are engaging, yeah. even if it is just a bunch of vignettes. But I feel like here, the personalities of the characters were not especially engaging, mm. or maybe they were on paper and they just cast this movie horribly. Like, I don't think I agree with a single casting decision that was made in terms of like my yeah. understanding of who the characters, the Samantha characters are just from reading the books or what... I remember reading the books as a child. Yeah. I, w I don't have the connection to the have, source material. You don't have that. So for me, it was like watching a dozen or so pieces of like painted balsa wood, like <laughs> occasionally talk about their dead mother. I, like that's really it. I do want to drive home the fact for you that this is not an accurate representation of like what Samantha is or what American Girl is. Like, but what this the is the first are. one. I it's I mean it's the first movie that they made, but the yeah. books came out in the I guess mid to late eighties. Yeah. So they they had been around. This film made me think of, and this is a bad comparison. I can't wait. But it made me think of Dirty Dancing, and that Dirty Dancing is also a period piece in which very little actually happens. Yeah. That you could probably summarize the entire plot of Dirty Dancing inside of 
two minutes. Yeah. And what people like about Dirty Dancing specifically is the fantasy. It's the meeting a guy. He's a bit of a bad boy. There's some You're sex. underage. You're underage. <laughs> he shouldn't be with you. You do a little dance at the end. Someone else in the movie has a dirty back alley abortion. That's really the That's film. A, that was my fantasy growing up, to yeah. be sure. This is Dirty Dancing without any of, of the, the things... Appeal. That would that appeal about Dirty Dancing, but yeah, I, there, Samantha never does a dance lift with Nelly. Really disappointing. There's no anachronistic, diegetic music choices yeah. that are very synth heavy, despite the fact it's set in the 1950s. Although, in terms of costuming and hair and being period accurate, they did do a better. It job looked nice. I mean, dancing. I'll say this. I mean, the, I, the set design was nice. The costumes were nice. Yeah, it was very, it was very Edwardian, and I appreciated that they put at least a little bit of yeah. thought into the costume design. It just didn't. There was no heft to anything yeah like this could have been shot by the BBC using in you know in the 80s on video and the end result would have been broadly the same it would have just been in terms of like your emotional reaction yeah I, I, there's just nothing there's nothing for me to connect mm-hmm. to here it's just and I'm things not happening. surprised and I I apologize that the last couple of movies have been like that because they've been movies Directed at my kind. <laughs> um, and like, I totally understand why they don't resonate mm. with you at all because none of these movies touch on any of your interests, any of your experiences. Like, it totally makes sense that they don't resonate with you and you see them as boring and tedious, and you're only seeing, I guess. You're, you're focusing on the superficial aspects mm. of them. Like, the acting is not good. The story is not great. Like, I totally get that. And I'm really sorry that you're having to put oh, no, up no. with it. Like, I don't feel like I'm putting up with anything. I, f- I feel like even if I were American, if I, or if I'd grown up in America... Like I I'm, think if you were me, like, if yeah. you were a woman or someone who had grown up reading American Girl books or had American Girl yeah. dolls, I'm hard-pressed to think of a girl... That I'm friend like a female person that I'm friends with who didn't at least sort of have that yeah. experience. I think that it's kind of like among American millennial women, like that's something that yeah. a lot of us share and have yeah. in common and like remember from our childhoods. Yeah, and I don't even have like the surface because I think like th- there's a parallel universe where I moved to America when I was 13. Like that was an option I had as mm-hmm. a kid, and I ended up staying in England. And I still don't think that Ben would be familiar with American Girl dolls. I don't think that Ben would necessarily understand like the history and the canon and the law and everything. But I think I would at least be able to go, okay, this is this is what American Girl is. Like I, I would have a surface level knowledge of what American Girl is in the same way that, and this is just an example I'm pulling out of my ass. But I think that even people who don't like Star Trek or who have never seen Star Trek. Have a concept. Have a concept in their head of what Star Trek is and what. Yeah. You don't have a concept at all then of what American Girldom is. Yeah, my only understanding of. Please don't say American Girldom, that's a bad. (laughs) My only. The only thing I know is it's a girl. And American. she's American. Yeah, she's American. And there are multiples of them. I didn't even realize that they were set in different time periods mm-hmm. until you started telling me about these movies. Oh, yeah. Like, I had, I don't have the touchstone. Do you for want that. me to try to explain it to you? Yeah, let's do that. That might, that might feel. God, we need to feel about 10 minutes. <laughs> let's, let's fill some time. Basically, American girls, they're dolls that I guess were co developed. They're 18 inch dolls. They're mm. co developed with the book series. So okay. each doll has her own book series that tells stories about her and her historical time and place. So the, in many ways, the books are kind of toyetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The books the books are an integral part of, like, the American Girl okay. doll experience. So you read the books, you get attached to the character, and then, like, that doll is the character. Yeah. So whichever story you like most or whichever one you identify with the most, that everyone, I think, has their own, like, in kind of a Disney princess way, everyone has their own favorite American Girl or one that they identify yeah. with the most. The one that I grew up with was Molly McIntyre. Okay. And for obvious reasons, because I was born in the 30s. <laughs> that's, that's why. Yeah. And, I um, didn't want to be the one to say so it. I don't want to out you. <laughs> so that was surprised I'm a vampire. So that was wh- like that was the one that I grew up reading. I grew up reading all her stories, and then I eventually read you know the rest of the books. I never owned a doll. I did get the catalog, so I was really familiar with the dolls and all their. Accessories. Did you want a doll? Was there a driving desire to I, acquire? 
I was never a doll person, really. I mm. played a lot with animal figurines, like the little pet shop and stuff. And so also you would have been more like a Sylvanian families kind of. I don't know. Sylvanian families was a thing over here. I think like calico critters. Is that what you're thinking of? Uh, Sylvanian. I don't know. I'm gonna Google. Are those? It now. The, they're like little fuzzy creatures that wear clothes. I think they're called calico critters in the U.S. They are a. Ja- I didn't realize they were Japanese. They're huge. Well, they were huge in, in May the I see U.K. A, a picture of them. Uh, I'm trying to find a Google image search. Yeah, those are calico critters. I don't know if calico crit yeah calico critters. Yeah. I don't know if calico critters is the same brand, and they're just called calico critters mm. over here, or if calico critters are like a weird. Yeah, these. Off. I think calico critters. I think that is what Sylvanian families. Are, yeah, I think they 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 must be the same because my sister had a few Sylvanian families because it was a, Sylvanian families. I think were the kind of thing that I don't think you wanted them or you bought them but your grandmother got them <laughs> for you and you were happy to have them because they were cute it's funny i i had never i don't think calico critters came to the u.s until recently or i never knew about them mm. until i was too old to you know want them or appreciate them but there have been times when i've gone into toy stores i see the calico critters and i'm like yeah. it's a good thing i'm 28 because if, <laughs> if i were 20 years younger i would want all of these, like calico critters, are right up my alley. Like if you'd grown up in the, if we'd swapped places <laughs> and you'd grown up in the UK, I would have been the calico critter you, child. Yeah, you would have had like a whole set of Sylvanian. I would have had families. all of them. I would yeah. have had every little playset. But that's kind of what I had with Littlest Pet Shop is that I collected them. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, they were they weren't anthropomorphized. They were just animals. Oh, that Google families. And... I I did just discover there was a TV special. <gasps> okay, well, we are definitely adding that. Yes. But yeah, I, I wasn't a big doll person. I didn't really desire the dolls. I was really into the accessories that they had just because I love small things. Mm. I guess the, the small accessories were more interesting to me than the dolls themselves. Because I, I never really was able to form emotional attachments to things that looked human That's as fair. a child. No, that I makes sense. A, I found it a lot easier to relate to stuffed animals and like not, just completely not human things. Yeah. So no, I get it. Yeah, I understand you. I don't know if that's if someone out there is analyzing me and is like, "Oh, I understand." There's a all year your of these recordings. Attachment issues. There is a year of these recordings, <laughs> and we have to assume that someone has listened to all every our, episode. All of our issues are laid bare before you, Jeremy. I feel like every time one of us reveals a personal truth, Jeremy's just like, "Oh no." <laughs> Oh, no. It's funny, Jeremy. You know, if you really had a mind to, you could also go back through our episodes and you could probably track my menstrual cycle (laughs) based on how loopy I am in any given episode. Jeremy probably has like a Pepe Silvia room. uh, (laughs) That's just like, it's pictures of you and me and string and the word toyetic schooled on the wall in red crayon. Uh, uh, So you, you had to, you, you weren't a doll person. But you looked at the catalog a mm-hmm. lot. So and that, what, I, that, I think that scratched that itch. It was just knowing that they existed and being able to see them and, and look at them. Was that enough for you? I think uh, even if I had wanted a doll, it was made clear to me by my parents that like this is this is a catalog to browse. We never buy anything from this right. catalog. I got a lot of doll catalogs and like toy catalogs as a child, and they were just things to look at. Mm. It was always like we don't we don't buy that stuff. Like, it's very expensive, and those are just, like, the catalogs are just to browse. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. I, I was kind of the same. I always used to look in, like, the last, God, maybe, like, 50 or so pages of, like, the Argos catalog. Argos being, like, a department store, but instead of you browse the shelves, you have the catalog, and you write down what you want with a pencil on a bit of paper, mm-hmm. and then they just go into the back and get it for you. I remember just going constantly going through the back pages of the catalog and looking at, like, the video game stuff mm-hmm. and the new Action Man figures that came out and... I remember that when the Game Boy Advance came out, I cut pages out of the Argos catalog. <laughs> Did you make a vision board? Uh, my my whole bed, one of my bedroom walls became a vision <laughs> board. Articles, posters, anything about any game that came uh-huh. out of the Game Boy Advance went on that wall. I don't remember if I ever cut any pictures out of the American Girl catalogs. I definitely hoarded them, though. Yeah, you just had them? I just had them. I yeah. just enjoyed... I think it was it was comforting. Like, I do remember literally, like, if I would wake... I had really bad insomnia as a child. I would wake up in the middle of the night, turn on my lamp, and, like, flip through them when I couldn't mm. sleep. It was it was comforting. Like, even though I didn't yeah, own the doll... Yeah, I used to do with the Argos catalog. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was kind of like... I don't know. It was just kind of a daydreamy, idle thing in the same way that I might flip through my Instagram feed or something mm. today. Like, I would just kind of flip through it. 
as a yeah. child. So as an adult now, because I know what you get out of the Barbie movies. Mm-hmm. The Barbie movies are your personal Linus blank. <laughs> I, I keep calling them that because that is there's a security and a safety and a comfort in watching a movie like Barbie and Rapunzel yeah, or Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus. It's not going to challenge me. Like there's a safety and a and a, and a, a niceness to that. Would that also describe the American Girl franchise? Ver- the American Girl verse? Yes. <laughs> I mean, Barbie. Barbie is very silly, isn't she? Like a lot of Barbie is. Well, fantasy. she's a demigod. She's well, she's yeah, she's cute, but also just like the concept of Barbie is more fantastical, mm. whereas American Girl dolls and stories are more down to earth. They're yeah. they're rooted in actual history, and a lot of the. The issues or challenges that the characters face in the books are a big deal. Like, in one of them, Addie literally escapes from slavery. The Civil War doll, like, she literally escapes from slavery and, like, runs away to the North. And I think think one of the things we glossed over in our, like, Cliff Notes description of the narrative (laughs) was Samantha doing her big speech at this Mm -hmm. symposium or whatever the fuck about... Everyone else is talking about how great factories are for America. Yeah. And she talks about her experience seeing her friend at one of these child, basically a child labor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I do remember that. It's I remember that made a really strong impression mm. on me when I read the Samantha books was that there was a big emphasis on child labor and how Nellie was treated specifically. Yeah. Um, and that I remember feeling that emotionally even yeah. as a small child reading that book. And yeah. like one of the one of the book series is about the American Revolution War for Independence and like that kind of division among family members mm. where they're where they're on two different sides of a literal war. Yeah. Like those are the kinds of issues that the original historical American girl books went into. And in recent years they've kind of gotten away from that. Cause now they do like girl of the year dolls where it's a story about a modern girl who has some sort of comparatively mild modern problem that she has to overcome and she usually does it with like a bake sale or something (laughs) like that kind of thing whereas the books that i grew up with were about girls exhibiting real bravery in the face of like extreme odds and challenges that actually amounted to something like had a sense of scale so the the american girl as a franchise now, it feels like they've kind of like softened the edges yeah, on it to yeah. make it more like appealing and approachable yeah. rather than... Because here's the thing, as milk toast as this film was, I appreciate that it tackled a pretty... Like, women's suffrage mm-hmm. is a, is a, yeah, is a yeah, plot yeah. point in this movie. Child labor is a plot point in this Just movie. Just all of the like Gilded Age problems yeah. that you would have read about. In school. Yeah, people really like to romanticize the past, especially now at the moment. There's this huge contingent of people in, I think, both the UK and the US, about people who talk about the good old days. Mm-hmm. And the old days were not good. They were not good. They were good if you were an affluent white, I mean, even probably for, man. Even for very privileged people, like, yeah. still not great. Like, healthcare has gotten better, at least. Yeah. Like, our quality of life, generally speaking. Yeah. But specifically, there's a lot of things that were worse yeah it, back in that time that we kind of romanticized for some reason like the the the, the big thing i don't want to get too political on this podcast because we we talk about you know troll dicks but i do think that one of the things that's that's happening in my country right now back in the uk with brexit is people saying well if there's a hard brexit or or a, a no deal brexit there's genuine concern about things like medicine shortages and food shortages and I worry about how that's going to affect my sister and my nephew and my family back home. And there were people who were pro-leave, who wanted to leave the European Union, who said, well, we're going to get that, that blitz spirit, that World War Two, you know, that's going to be like the war gun. Except, except it's not going to be like that, because it's, it's self-inflicted. Yeah. And you're glorifying, you're romanticising this really shitty period in Britain's history. Mm-hmm. And I realise that's not what the what the podcast is, is for. And I realise that's not what this film is about. But as bland as this film was, and as based on what you said, it's not as rich as yeah, the source it, material. Yeah, I don't think it reflects the spirit yeah. of the original books. But I, I admire the, for a made-for-TV, like a 90-minute made-for-TV movie about a young girl in 1904, that they went so hard however briefly, on those specific issues. Yeah, issues that that would have been extremely controversial and progressive for the day. Yeah. 
So what you're saying is we need to take this film back to 1904. And be like, hey. And be like, watch this. And then we get attacked in the street for bringing... Well, they probably like, what, yeah, what kind of magic is this? Yeah. So maybe let's Because they don't have talkies in 1904. No. So I'm going to try to tackle this from the only angle that I, I can, and that is as a piece of toyetic cinema. We have our scale... I thought you were going to as a piece of shit. As a piece of shit. It's <laughs> garbage movie. No, as a piece of toyetic cinema, the scale we have is often unscientific. Because mm-hmm. we ha- it's the Lego emoji scale... Which it's we've a very said subjective is, scale. Yeah. And we do our best. Yeah. It's difficult to place this movie on that scale because I don't feel like this is particularly toyetic. Other than the fact that it is licensed from the American Girl Doll Range, mm-hmm. nothing about this movie felt like you can buy this toy. I mean, all of the outfits that she wore are actual outfits you oh, can well. buy for the doll. Like that, I, I literally recognized her outfits, okay. which I, re- I realized you wouldn't have recognized. No. But that's only for someone who's already familiar yeah. with the American Girl verse. Yeah, who would be familiar with Samantha and her story and her mm. her getup. I mean, this movie doesn't make me want to go out and buy a Samantha doll, mm. but I think, I mean, obviously, I'm too old for that now. But I don't know that this movie really reflects the spirit of the original toy property mm. and in that capacity it does fail right you know it's it doesn't read as a transparent cash grab like the emoji movie because there is obviously a lot of care put into the production design yeah <laughs> um the like the atmosphere of it um not a lot of love put into the casting choices i really can't we get on board with see a the, single the one credit of them. for like the uh, like a casting, and well, there was like an acting coach. Acting coach. We saw credit for an so, acting coach. We were like, that guy. Someone skipped a bunch of days of yeah. work. Someone cashed a check and <laughs> went and left. Yeah, the acting in this was not great, so it made it hard to tell. I was trying to objectively just hear the words and think, was this? Did the script have any amount of spirit to it? Yeah, you know, and I honestly couldn't tell. It just felt like they kind of picked little bits from the books. Yeah. And then kind of smushed it all together. Yeah. I, I think that's my main criticism is that for all of the issues that are brought up and for as interesting as the narrative could be, it feels undercooked. Yeah. It feels no, no one thing is really explored in depth. Yeah. Like they could have made a movie that was about child labor or they could have made a movie that was about suffrage or they could have made a movie that was about getting over the loss of your parents but they they touched on each of those things but they didn't really go into any one thing and so i don't know that it trivialized those issues but it was kind of like the the movie ends and you're like oh did we just solve that okay like everything's fine now okay it didn't seem like you did a whole lot but i guess it's okay now nelly never spends I think she says, after her dad dies, I think she says, says I miss my dad once. once. But there's never any, like, uh, between her and her sisters. She's in shock. But there's no, she's no grief. She's lost both parents inside of a year, maybe 18 months. And and then had to endure hell. And then she had to go to an orphanage and work in a sweatshop. And I don't know if they, if they had cast a better actor, would that have helped? Maybe. If they had written a better script, would that have helped? Maybe. I think you would have needed both to really drive that emotion home it just felt very superficial like someone skimmed samantha mm. and were like oh i get it i, I get it i get it like, i i got this guys and was like cool outfits go like edwardian fashion yeah gilded age and a sweatshop <laughs> yeah <cool>. sweatshop <laughs> and just kind of put that all in a blender and served it to a sleek warm i didn't feel any love I didn't it's, feel I didn't feel contempt. I just didn't feel love. It was it was spectacle. It was a tableau. It feels like an appetizer platter from Denny's that you've reheated in the microwave. Yeah, because it's just stuff, and none of it is particular. None of it was made with any real care. It's just this is what it is. This is what we think it should be. Yeah, and it was probably heated in the microwave to begin with when they first served it to you, and then you put it in a to-go box and you've taken it home, and then you've reheated it later. Like it feels like it just it just feels like warmed over nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to get any sustenance out of these mozzarella sticks. It's just not happening. And all of the casting choices in this movie are mozzarella oh, sticks. They're all yeah. 
it's unfortunate because as I remember them, the books really did have a lot of heart. And obviously mm. they made a huge impact on a lot of girls and young women who, you know, are grown up today and remember yeah. those dolls and those stories as being really impactful to them when they were younger. So at least we have that to hold yeah. on to. I'm really I'm really disappointed in this movie and I'm kinda of bummed that we have to watch even more of them. Yeah, this this two have like ten or eleven um, left on the list to watch. But at least the ones that we have to watch are like the girl of the year movies that I'm not yeah. actually emotionally invested in. But I am really disappointed in this adaptation. I don't think it captured the spirit you, of Samantha at all. You hadn't seen it before. No, today. I had never seen yeah. it before. So on the Lego emoji scale, where would you or on any scale, in fact, if we can't Lego emoji it, where would you how would you rate this? Where would you rank this? I think it's it's uh I don't know if it even belongs on the scale or it's there's just not a lot of oomph to it like there's yeah. not a lot of conviction a lot of like if it, if it were on the emoji end of the spectrum that I feel like that would be because it was overtly or aggressively bad yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't a deliberate misinterpretation of the source material but it also completely failed to capture the spirit or make me want to engage any further in the franchise the property so I guess in that sense it like it's kind of floating next to the scale like like it was trying <laughs> to get to the scale and it took yeah. a wrong turn. Yeah. Like it's just it's just nothing. It's like it's sending furious texts like I'm in neighborhood where is building <laughs> question mark. I feel like if you had to put it somewhere on the emo Lego emoji scale it would be dead in the center. Mm -hmm. In that it is not contemptuous it is not special. It just is. It, it is just a. Exists. It is an adaptation that exists because it was a I popular think it's, brand. I think it's right in the middle, but it's also one of those things where if you look right at it, you can't see it. Yeah. Because that's how bland it's it like is. It's like the opposite of a magic eye picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Removing myself from the Lego emoji scale because I do not have the cultural framework mm -hmm. to allow me to rate it on that scale. I think just as a piece of cinema, I think it. Well, cinema's being pretty grandiose thing is it was never screened on on a big screen i feel like a piece of television yeah i feel like as a piece of television it's inoffensive it's the kind of thing that you turn on while you're rolling out sugar cookies you know maybe I, it, it feels like oh if this were on hallmark the hallmark yeah. channel over christmas i'd probably have it on in the background yeah, yeah, yeah but i don't think i would choose to watch this at any point i feel like this is this is a nothing of a movie. Mm -hmm. I think even calling it a screensaver is is, is perhaps overselling it because you have to choose what your screensaver is, and I don't know that I would choose this screensaver. <laughs> I think if I had to scale it just out of ten, I think four because it's not bad. It's just not good. And, yeah, and and it's also just not good enough. It's slightly less than mediocre. It's just hollow. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a lint bunny of a movie. Yeah, but without the sweetness on the outside, it just is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel let down. Because, let me tell you how nothing this movie is. Tell me. We couldn't even, like, get a, a funny podcast out of it. <laughs> this has just been us talking. We've had a this conversation. This kind of talking about our feelings for Yeah, I interviewed you a little bit about, like, I spent 15 to 20 minutes just talking to you about what is American Girl. Because there's so little meat on this bone. Yeah. And I, even then, it's I, not I'm even... I'm cool with that. Actually, I'll rephrase that. There's meat on this bone, but it is unseasoned. There's not a whole lot to work with. And yeah. I think maybe we just needed a forum to talk about our feelings. Yeah. And this this movie just was the perfect excuse to That's just kind of go fair. off in another direction because yeah. it didn't have a lot to offer us this week. Yeah, there's no movie here. We didn't yeah, watch a movie. There's not a lot. It's, yeah. it's disappointing. I mean, yay. I like historical fashion, so like, that was my yeah. little lifeboat. But yeah, there's you can skip it. It's fine. Yeah. Even if you like you can love Christmas, just watch the last seven minutes of this movie and you'll get the gist. Yeah, more or less, yeah. But next the next episode It's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be a good one. It's a movie An that, actual good one. It's a really good one. It features a return of a friend of the show, Tim <laughs> Do you wanna go ahead and tell people what we're watching for the next episode? Um, we're watching Flames on the Side of My Face. With Tim Curry. Uh, yes. Uh, Molly will be getting a face tattoo. <laughs> and we'll be live streaming as people, uh, as the tattoo artist paints uh, Go Faster Flames on the side of her face. We're watching Clue. It's Clue. It's Clue. It's a film that I saw for the first time in 2011. I feel like I also saw it kind of recently. Mm. Like, since I've been out of school, I don't remember ever seeing it as a young person. 
Yeah. I, it's one of those movies where I know it by reputation mm-hmm. that it had a cult following because it did very poorly in theatres. But it's one of those films that because it was cheap for TV networks to license, they would just air it at night. So it got very popular and, and then, after yeah, the fact. Yeah, and it's, it kind of became this cult classic. And now it's one of those films that I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Or who thinks ill of it, yeah. even, if they, even if it's not to their taste. Yeah, because it is, I think it's, it's, it is a, a masterful movie. And I think that after the last two, I certainly need that movie. You breather. need something that's for you. I know I've kind yeah. of been a little, a little self-indulgent. Yeah. But yes. I'm, I'm yes. not sorry for that. No, no, and I would never expect you to apologize for that, although you should. Um, and uh, I'm just glad that... I think one of the problems with doing this podcast is we do occasionally get stuck in this... I don't want to say rut, but this pattern of, here's a bad movie, oh no... Here's the next one. Oh, no. We went so through, we can't take it anymore. We went through a run of bad movies that the only thing that broke it, I think, was Barbie as Rapunzel. Because mm-hmm. we, I remember, like, Furby Island. It was Island really bad and, for yeah, a while. Um, like, it was friends calling me and being like, hey, is everything all right? <laughs> and I think that making sure that we break these things up with a film that we know we're going to enjoy, mm-hmm. like Wreck-It Ralph, like the Lego movie, like Clue. So that's what we're going to do uh, with our next episode. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, with that one. With that said, are we good to start wrapping things up? I think now it's time for a wrap up. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Life Toyetic. If you like the show and you want to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The easiest way, the cheapest way, is to leave a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts that lets you leave a review. Podcasts like ours survive by word of mouth. So we are dependent upon you going on iTunes and letting people know how much you enjoyed the podcast. If you if you did enjoy it, please consider doing that. We are still doing our competition. This week is the last week where you can send us a screenshot of your iTunes review. If you email it to show at thelifetoriatic.com, once it has been posted to iTunes, you are in the running to win one of three moderately okay prizes. <laughs> And there's a video of that on our on our Patreon page and on our main page as well, thelifetoyetic.com. If you want to go to patreon.com slash thelifetoyetic, you have the option of supporting us financially with your human money. For as little as a dollar a month, you get things like bonus episodes. We have a Q&A video that I need to finish... <laughs> This editing. video is like five months it's old. It's a thousand years point. old now. This video is older than the sun and I need to finish editing it. My life has been upside down and I apologize for that. We've done a live stream. We, will, we are likely to do more. One dollar gets you access to all of that stuff. Five dollars gets you a quarterly seasonal themed postcard. The uh, Valentine's Day postcards went out last month and made me very, very happy. Yeah. I love the design on that. And getting also getting photos and videos from people who are patrons as they get their postcard makes makes us very happy as well. And at the ten dollar mark, you get a shout out. People like Mazer the Squid Dude. Mazer. Who uh, who supports us at the ten dollar level at Hey It's Billy Rose who has been supporting us since, I think, pretty much since, since the, the, the Patreon's inception. Yeah. yeah, Billy is wonderful. And Zach Lay, who was the aforementioned acting coach yeah. uh, in this movie. He collected his um, check and peace yeah, out. Yeah, Zach, I've got to say... You could have done better yeah, with Nelly. You could have done more work, I think. Nelly really needed your help and you you were not there for... I sometimes feel like we bully Zach <laughs> with these... Well, that's because he never... <laughs> kept on asking him to give us some defining traits and, and he then didn't. he never gave us any so this is what you get Zach yeah so uh yeah in many ways this is your fault yeah um <laughs> and then we also have a, a, a the Jeremy tier at the $100 level where whenever we refer to Jeremy on the podcast you can rest assured the knowledge we are talking to you no one has claimed that yet I cannot imagine mm. why but uh patreon.com slash the life toyetic Huge thank you to Brian Melblum for our theme tune, the Toyetic Toe Tapper. Uh, it's a cracking piece of music. Um, and you can find us on social media. The podcast is The Life Toyetic on Twitter, The Life Toyetic on Facebook, Toyetic Pod on Instagram. Life, Life Toyetic Pod. Life Toyetic Pod on, on, on Instagram. We're not doing anything with that, though. Yeah, we're kind of bitter about We're bitter about the fact that someone beat us to the Life <laughs> Toyetic handle. Um, Molly, where can people find you online? I am at Molly Alice Hoy. 
And while I'm here, I'm just going to quickly plug, it is my birthday on Friday, the 22nd, and the best gift that you could give me is to pledge to my Kickstarter, which is still running. I think it ends on the 28th, but it's just for some enamel pins. They're really cool. If you go on my Instagram or my Twitter, you can find a link there. Um, I'd really appreciate it. Or just say happy birthday to me. I'm also cool with that. I'm really big on birthdays. What's the name of the project? Oh, it's California Natives Enamel Pin Set. And it's animal skulls and native California plants. Little pin designs that are inspired by native California wildlife. Yeah, we'll put that text in the episode description so you can, you know, just search yeah, for it on if Kickstarter. You're interest, if you're interested in that sort of thing, or yeah. if you just want to support me, that's yeah. fine. You can just get one and give it to someone who cares if you don't care. But I'll be one. very happy, are you? No, I'm going to, I have pins, I, oh, my, my late mother has a, had a pin collection and my sister and I still add to it. Okay. So I have a stack of pins on my desk right here. Oh, how sweet. So. Yeah. And she has actually, when I went to England last time, I, I donated my Token Queer pin. Oh, that really? I got from you oh, to my so mom's collection. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to do the Kickstarter, I also just have an Etsy shop. And if you want to buy something from me, we can link to that as well. Yeah. We'll put that in the episode description. So yeah, that, that'd be a great way to celebrate my birthday if you want to do something for me. But just saying happy birthday is enough. I'm a big birthday person, Ben. I know you're not a big birthday person. My birthday's next month. Your birthday is in April, but I'm I'm super big on birthdays. So if you tell me happy birthday, I'm going to be thrilled to bits. Yes. I don't have anything, any projects to plug other than the usual the game of rassilon it's a doctor who role-playing game actual play podcast we just started our second story arc um our first story arc was four episodes our next one is probably also going to be four episodes maybe three we're having a really good time it's i'm running the game as gm we have a, a comedian riley silverman she's playing the doctor family guy writer dan peck is playing one of the companions travis and then uh writer script doctor general all-round wonderful human being melinda Catherine gross is playing as amelia Earhart, and it's a fun show we have a lot of fun making it. I have a lot of fun coming up with the campaigns with my friend Michael Nixon. And uh, I would really appreciate it if you went over to thegameofrassilon.com, R-A-S-S-I-L-O-N.com, and gave us a listen. Thank you very much. I think that is everything. Am I missing I'm anything? I'm pretty sure that's it. Cool. In which case, thank you so much for listening to the Life Toyetic with Ben and Molly. I have been Ben. I have been and still am Molly. And the Life Toyetic comes with everything you see here. Nellie's acting ability is <laughs> all separately. Bless her. Sorry, Nellie. seems like a terrible idea, but I guess there are worse things you could do to that sock. I'll wait till you're gone when I do those. Thanks.